Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, today we have a bit of an interesting show. We're not really sure what we're going to talk about overall, I don't think. But we'll get to it. Um, before we start, we're in a bit of a different location. We're in Chase's basement, so if you hear some background noise, we're, we apologize for that. Um, I'm also sick, so apologies if I struggle through this episode. I guess we should start off with... Probably the biggest piece of the news since the NHL season has gone back, and that's Tom Wilson and his 20-game suspension for blindsiding Oscar Sundquist of the St. Louis Blues. Um, thoughts on the suspension? I loved it. I think the NHL should get... Like, every time there's a hit that's just completely unnecessary, I'm always on the team that the NHL should give aggressive suspensions. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you on that one. Like, I was surprised they did. Me too. Um, from what I hear, Tom Wilson is going to appeal it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he got five games taken off or so. Yeah, but the, uh, Gary Bettman's hearing it, which means it can't go to an arbiter. So I wondered if they put see, it to Gary it, Bettman. I thought it goes to Bettman and then an arbiter if he still doesn't like it. No, it's to Bettman and then that's it. Oh, okay. So I wondered if they put it straight to Bettman so that an arbiter couldn't turn it over. Yeah, that's possible. Because, yeah, I saw some people online saying that well, there's been other suspensions like this with, uh, and they haven't got 20 games. There hasn't been. The NHL, when they, and they did a great job of explaining it, too. They said, look, this is the exact same hit he made just 20 games ago <laughs> yeah. when he got suspended three full playoff games for it. This is, I think, his fourth suspension in 105 games. Five games? Yeah. He's like, they're like, this is unprecedented. Like, we've never had this before. And he's not learning because most of these suspensions are for the exact same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm full on board with 20 games. I think it makes sense. I think it was a stupid hit to make. It was a preseason game against a fourth liner where he blindsided him. Yeah, well, that's the thing is it adds, like, that hit added nothing to a hockey game. No, not at all. And it wouldn't add anything to a regular season game, let alone the last preseason game of the year when you're already the lock on a team. Yeah. Like, it's not like that's one of those classic cases of a a guy trying to, like, make his mark or whatever. Like, it's just an idiot. Yep. It's just a bonehead move. Yeah, like, Tom Wilson's going to be on the Washington Capitals no matter what. It's not like he has to go out there. Not that that should impress coaching staff, but No, but it, it does, it does and that, which is unfortunate. Yeah. But, I mean, they'll be fine without him for 20 games or 15 or whatever it ends up being. But at the same time, like, losing a legitimate NHL player is, is a big loss, for or a loss for any team. Who do you think is going to step up and take that role? Like, if they give it to Burakovsky or someone like that, I could actually see them this being a gain for them. I could do. I think uh, Rana, if he... I don't know if he plays the right side ever, but that could be an interesting uh, option on the first line as well. Like, Tom Wilson put up, like, 30-something points despite playing with Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov. So yeah. Like, I have a hard time believing that whoever they put in the role, whether it's Varana or Burakovsky or whoever does worse than what Tom Wilson does. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that for sure. It's it's weird because the NHL season is so long, right? And like 20 games is a lot. It is 25% of the it's NHL quarter season. Year season. But I mean, in 20 games from now, we're still we can use this to to develop into the next topic I wanted to talk about in a bit, but you're still sometimes like if a team's struggling after 20 games, you're not going, "Oh, this team's screwed." No. Like, there's always, okay, well, th- these guys could still turn it around. They, they need to do stuff right soon, but they still got plenty of time. Yeah, and the Washington Capitals this year are not going to be defined by the first 20 games. No, for sure not. Um, I mean, there's just, 
Yeah, the one thing about losing Wilson is it does kind of... The, the team doesn't have the depth that we've seen it have in past years. No, the cap's finally catching up to him. Yeah, which, you know, is unfortunate for them. But, I mean, even so, like, again, if you move someone like Burakovsky up and he can flourish in a to- in the the top role there, I mean, Eller, Connolly, smith Pelly, Stevenson, Walker, and I don't even know who the other forward would be, but it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, with uh, still a decent, a good top six... Your, your team should be able to stay afloat. Yeah, they still have one, maybe two Hall of Famers up front. Fantastic <laughs> decor. And I say, and as, yeah, as weird as it sounds, their forwards are still probably the weakest part of this team. Yeah. Like, if Holtby... I mean, maybe it'll be different this year because Holtby will probably have to play more games again, but if Holtby's like he was in playoff form last year, I the decor is just really, really good pretty much from decor. top to bottom. The, the forwards are good as great as well. It's why it's a great team. Like, it's why it's a very good team, right? Yeah. But, I mean, just overall, the forward depth is what really lacks. But, I mean, you have you see in the regular season all the time, there are teams that can get by with top-end talent. The Caps did it last year. The Sens did it the year before. It happens, and this is a team that could easily do it again. Yeah, they'll be fine. So, yeah, I guess that'll... We can transition to my next topic. I didn't really tell you about this one, but it's just a question I was curious about, and I, I always am every year, is... um. Talk about the first 20 games and, you know, what if they're struggling? How early is too early to worry about a team who is struggling in the NHL regular season? And how how early... And the other side of it, too, is when should you, when can you really start being optimistic about a team, in your opinion? Um. Okay, so personally, I'd be super skeptical to really draw anything of, like, 20 games. But also, if you look at the math behind, like, Corsi and expected goal... I expect goal is a little different, but... Corsi's predictive power peaks in the 20th game of the season. So by the time you're 20 games in, if you have a team's shot rate, you should have a reasonable expectation of yeah. like, what they are. Yep. There's obviously more to it. Some teams like Washington have the shooting and goaltending talent to outperform their shot rates. But I'd say around the 20-game mark is when you can start getting actual meaningful things out of a team's numbers. That's usually the general consensus, I think, as yeah. well. And that's fair enough, too. I like Because you see it every year. I mean, even... Um, the first three games here with the Leafs and stuff like that, you got teams panicking because they haven't, they haven't gotten the points that they probably should. They haven't gotten six full points all in regulation against three non-playoff yeah. teams like you would hope they would, and they've outplayed all three teams they've played. Uh, maybe not Montreal. Not Montreal. They they dominated Ottawa. They outplayed Chicago, and there was just a mix of some defensive laps and goaltending problems yeah. that hurt them early on. And so you see people freaking out. It's like, well, guys, it's it's the third game of the year. Games, like, relax. Like, calm down. Well, Come my, on. My uh, favorite tweet about it was the Le- after the Montreal game. It was like the Leafs played about as bad as a team with John Tavares and Austin Matthews possibly could, yeah. but they have John Tavares and Austin Matthews, so they won. Exactly, and like, yeah, like I don't know, like with the Senators game, it was just like, like the Leafs. I don't. So I posted on Twitter right after the game. The Leafs had what was it? Otto had thirty five percent of the shot share. And the Leafs, I think, had 75 per, or no, a little less than that, maybe 60-something percent of the ex- expected goals. And I posted, the Leafs deserve to win this game. Like, Ottawa did not deserve to win. I got roasted for that. I had so many people be like, what the, f- like, what the hell, man? Like, what? how can you say that? It was a good, hard win. I was like, no, like, like they got, it was, it was fine, it was a fine win, but they got outplayed, and Thomas Shabbat and Craig Anderson saved them. Great, yeah. Like, like it's uh it's amazing what a bad goaltending performance will do to people's perception of a game. Yeah, it was like even yeah, people replying to that was just like, well the numbers don't say it all. I was like, 
okay, but the numbers are saying that Ottawa got hemmed into their zone for a bunch of this game. What did you see? Because I saw the Senators getting hemmed into their zone for a bunch of the game. Yeah. Right? And then, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I had someone reply to me saying the goalies are, who got, like, the goalies are part of the game, too, and that's because they, Craig Anderson outplayed Freddie, Ottawa outplayed the other team. I was like, no, it's usually the other way around. If your goalie's the one who saved you, it usually means your entire team got outplayed. It's yeah. just one guy who saved you. Yeah, usually if you need your goalie to save you, it's not because the other 18 guys were playing correct. Exactly. Like, unless it's like, you know, one of the cases where the shots are 30-30 or something like that, and yeah. one goalie sucked and the other played really well. But, I mean, like, the Tr- Toronto had, I think, 15 more shots than the Senators, and, like... That's vintage Senators. Yeah, like, there. it really was. I was just like, I don't... Like, it's fine. It's a good way. In no way did I say, yeah, Ottawa should be mad about this result. Because... You should. You got two points. That's fine. And you you were playing a top five team in the league that had Matthews, Tavares, and Marner on it, and you still managed to. And Anderson was in that, and he managed to beat them. Yeah, that's good. That's great on you. But you need to be more worried going forward because that kind of result isn't going to happen every time. Well, sometimes you may get to the one goal away from the Stanley Cup final doing that, and then over the summer everyone convinces themselves that's actually yeah. real. Like it literally felt like the twenty seventeen playoffs. Yeah. That's I was, what I was thinking, too. I tweeted a couple times. I was like, guys, like it's the second game of the year, and I feel like I'm stuck back in 2017 here saying, hey, guys, maybe, maybe temper the expectations. That will be how Ottawa has to win this year. Though. Oh, 100%. I don't think there's any doubt. And that's fine. It was weird because it was an open game. Like It's not yeah. like two years ago when Ottawa had to win by trapping teams and not letting anything go, which was smart. It was just boring hockey for most people. Yeah. But... At the same, like it was weird because it was, like it was an open game back and forth, and it was a lot of fun, which in general October hockey is just tons of fun. Yeah, usually it's just a gong show. Yeah, because no one knows how to play defense yet, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was surprised to not see them trap because you can get in. There's like a pretty simple math behind this, but basically, if you are going to get outshot, you're incentivized to trap. Like, if you're not going to win the shot battle, you want the most low-event hockey possible. Yeah, and, it, and I was really surprised to not see the Sens trying to just suck the life out of the Leafs. Yeah, and in general, like, I feel like that's probably what they're going to develop into. But that's at the same fair. time, like, it's tough when you have, like, the Senators have one, two, three, four, oh, no, Brown's not on this team, four, five, if you can collect, like, five guys under 22 on this roster. Yeah, they have one of the youngest average yeah. ages, don't they? Their oldest player is 31, not including Craig Anderson. Yeah. Yeah, because Bobby Ryan isn't that old. And, like, he's not young, but 31 is pretty young for your oldest player. Yeah, and then Pyatt's 30, Borwecki's 28, and then from there, Weidman's 28, Bodker's 28, and then it drops to 25 and below Yeah, for everyone other than Anderson and Condon, I guess. But, like, yeah, like, I don't know what the average age exactly is, but I'd imagine it's probably around 24-ish, yeah, which is 25. insanely young, but... That's bad. Like I, and I was talking again on Twitter with someone about this yesterday. Is I don't mind if this team is bad because I'm expecting them to be, but at least they're going to be bad and run out this roster where I can. Like I was excited to watch. Yeah. And I'm excited. The Sens play at one today. I'm excited to go home and watch that because it's at least got young guys on it that make the game a little more entertaining than just last year when they sucked and they were just trying to suck the life out of teams. Yeah. Well, now you have something to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, which sounds weird because the team doesn't have Hoffman or Carlson Not on it anymore. Carlson. But, like, yes. I mean, last year you tuned in to see Carlson. But at the same time, like, even Carlson, he could only do so much when he was just asked to, yeah. you know, trap the other team, right? Like, 
Also, if you are a Sens fan, like you obviously are, you really don't gain anything from pouting all year. You might <laughs> no, as well look for the... Like, you might as well watch Shabbat and be like, my god, this is great. It's a, it's a weird position to be in this year, because, like, last year I wanted the team to not succeed by the end of the year. Like, I wanted the high pick, right? It was yeah. like, alright, tank, right? This year, it's kind of like, okay, like, I don't really... I don't know what really to do because I don't want to see this team have success because that'll only that'll only convince Melnick that he can compete with an internal budget. But at the same time, like I don't want to cheer for this team to lose because I have nothing to gain for it because they don't have a first round pick yeah. this year, right? So it's like, like I'm cheering for them to win, but at the same time, it's just like we win, so you're in like twentieth position, and then Melnick still isn't convincing. I don't know. I'm torn. Okay, so obviously. At first glance, you want the team to succeed because they don't have their first-round pick. But the pick is already gone. Like, it's sunk cost, so technically, don't you want them to lose so that their second, third, fourth, fifth-round picks... Probably they don't have a third-rounder, either. They don't. Their third-rounder's gone, I'm pretty sure, as well. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, they have their second-rounder. <laughs> so, like, yeah, that's the one thing. So it could be a 32nd overall instead, instead of a 38th. But, like, by that time, you're pretty much in the same margin for picks anyways. Yeah, at that point, the picks are pretty much indistinguishable. Yeah, like, it's... But you might as well take every little edge you can get yeah. if you are. But, like, at the same time, I think I would probably take having a .01% drop in a pick chance and not be embarrassed that that's a lottery... The not first overall Jack pick. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, this team is just in... Like... I don't understand how you pick Brady Kachuk knowing that you're going to rebuild. And then go, you take Brady Kachuk, then you give up your first round pick and go, yeah, this is the year we're going to try and suck. We're really going to try yeah. and suck, guys. It's like, what are you doing? Like, are you kidding me? Do you know what a rebuild is? Yeah. Well, the best is, uh, obviously Jack Hughes has been touted as a franchise talent for a while now. And now Kako's just destroying yeah, So like, There's probably two of them. So you yeah, didn't even need even, the first overall pick no. this year. First or second would have been fine. Yeah, and like, again, we've been over this. Even if you get sixth or seventh in the draft this year, you can probably still get a Brady Kachuk-type player. And I will say, uh, Brady hasn't played in any of the regular season. In That's the, weird. He got hurt in the last oh. couple games, so now they're just keeping him out just in case. Fair um, in the preseason, he did look amazing, but again, it was preseason. Like, I want to see him in the regular season, but he has, uh, he has looked better, I think, than most people expected him to. And I do hope that'll translate to the NHL in the regular season, but it's just, like, in general, if you're looking at projected player, I don't, I still don't really know how you justify taking Brady Kachuk over a possible franchise guy. Yeah. I mean, the problem is, I guess, they look at Kachuk as a franchise guy. That which, is what I was going to say. Which is, because really, and Dorian has said that, which is wrong, and I feel like that's mean to Kachuk, because you're putting so much pressure on him, that's not his fault. Like That's uh, another reason why... Some people were like, um, for the Carlson trade, maybe try to get one Quinn Hughes instead of uh, a bunch a of, of six assets. Which honestly probably would be the best answer, but that would be so much goddamn pressure to be the guy that got traded one for one for Carlson. For sure, like so. With to Chuck, I feel bad for him because there's a chance he's bait, like in a roundabout way, the, the reason they yeah. don't have. Yo, uh, for sure, Hughes. yeah, one hundred percent, but. Yeah, I don't know. And, like, that's obviously not his fault. No. Because he doesn't have the... He's not going to say, no, don't draft me, give up your pick, yeah. right? But, like... No, I want to go lower in the draft mm -hmm. so I make less money on my ELC. Exactly. Like, I guess he could say, no, give. I want to go to Colorado. <laughs> but, like, yeah, no, it's not his fault. Um, 
it is just a, a ton of pressure for a guy to, for anyone really, and even yeah. especially a guy who went fourth overall to go, you're the face of the franchise. Yeah. Like, it's not like this is a first overall pick like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews where you know they're going to be the face of the franchise. Yeah, this is a guy that didn't even torch not NHL leagues, and now it's on him to just destroy the actual NHL. Yeah. Which is usually not how things work. No, not at all. Usually don't start getting good when you get to the NHL. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think the bright spots for the Sens this year are definitely going to be Thomas Shabbat. Yeah, uh, he's looking he, amazing. He shined in the Leafs game. He absolutely ended Igor Ozaganov's career yeah. twice in one night. Um, I think Ozaganov got scratched the next day, too. Yeah, he did. For, for Marinson. Um Yeah, no. He, he has just looked amazing. He had two goals. One, he pretty much took it to the net, shot it, got his own rebound, and buried it. And the other, he just dangled around Ozaganov. Yeah. It was just, he's looked like a lot of fun. Um, Stone, as always. Duchesne has looked great. Yeah. White. And hopefully Chlapwick, when he comes up, he hasn't been on the team yet. But yeah, he's in the minors, right? Yeah, they sent him down because Max McCormick is a one-way, unfortunately. Um, I, I wasn't happy about that, but at the same time, if you're going to keep him down, the, and he is getting legitimate top six minutes this year in the AHL, so I think I'm a little more okay with that than him getting fourth-line minutes in the NHL. Yeah, I saw a lot of people complaining about him going down, same with Willannon, but I don't hate the idea of using the AHL team as a bomb shelter this year. No, I don't either. And I think the problem is um, Belleville has been, uh, like Belleville and Binghamton before that, it's just been horribly run. So last year was the same thing. We had young guys like Chopik and White in the minors, but they're playing fourth-line minutes in the minors. Yeah. You can't do that if you're going to send them down. they got to be top six and top pairing. And this year they are. They fired, I believe, their coach and, uh, well, general manager was Randy Lee. They let him go. Yeah. Um, and they got two new guys in. And now they're actually playing the guys in the minors. So you got, like, Willannon, Yaros, uh, Yaros England. They're all up in the top four, I believe, for the Belleville. And then you guys, you got guys like Batherson, Brown, Schlappick. They're all up in the top six for the Belleville as well. And that's fine. Like, I'm more okay with that. Especially if I don't think most of those guys stay down the full year. I think in the come trade deadline, I think we'll see some more guys get moved. And then you see the young guys come up, which is fine. That's I think that's a good way to do it. What you can do with Brown, I would think. So, like, William Nylander, when he was 19, they brought him up near the end, burned the first year of his ELC, and now he has way less negotiating power than Mitch Marner, despite the fact they're almost identical players. Yeah, exactly. And, like, at, at this rate, Logan Brown and I think Brady Kachuk... No, I guess Kachuk would be up at the same year, Brown, if you burn an ELC year. Yeah. But... I mean, I don't think you really have to worry about that come contract negotiation because I don't think the salary at that point will be a problem. But no, but if you can get them on lower money, you might as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah, for sure. And so, like having two and a bit years in the NHL instead of three full seasons mm -hmm. definitely is going to help uh, the team's case more than yeah, the player. you can suppress that player's point totals. Yeah, I guess uh, that's a good transition into the William Nylander thing. So it's game three now. He is still hold, uh, holding out, and it doesn't so. It doesn't sound like there's been much progress, but at the same time, it was weird because a month ago, all the reporters admitted they had no insider information, and then, but they keep just saying, yeah, this is what I'm hearing. It's like, okay, but, like, no one's saying anything. Like, yeah. like Drager was like, yeah, I haven't actually heard anything, but Neilander's is asking for 8.5. It's yeah. like, what? Well, the report was that uh, <laughs> both Dubas's side and Neilander's side haven't said anything. 
but also Nylander's asking for eight point five yeah. million. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they are still kind of far away on terms because Nylander is in Sweden right now. He's not even in North America. No. So like that to me does kind of signal that they are still a little ways away. Apparently that happens a lot, which kind of makes sense. If like uh, if you're Nylander, you want to appear publicly like you're not blinking. Yeah, that's true. If you were true. like right near the ACC and stuff. It, Kind of, I guess. I don't think it would make a huge difference, but I can see why it happens. Yeah, I guess. The only thing with that is just like, like I guess once you sign the contract, you're making money anyways. If I'm Nylander, I want to get playing as soon as possible. Yeah. So like, if you're in Sweden until you sign that contract, you're going to have to sit out probably another week before you can play again. Yeah, he is practicing with a pro team in Sweden. Which I is fine. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's, that's fine. exactly what you should be doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you would hope that he's on the ice practicing all year and... Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm still on the camp that this is going to get done sooner rather than later. I would think I saw so. some people trying to, like, there's, I, I can't wait for this to be done. Because I just, I, like, logging on to Twitter and seeing people, well, what if he goes to December and then they don't, he can't play for the year. It's like, that has never happened. Why do you think that would happen to William Nylander, a guy who has expressed his want to stay with this team and win a cup? Like, yeah. it's not like this is, like, a Jacob Truba situation where he's almost made it clear he doesn't want to stay. Because he sat out until November a couple years ago. Yeah, he sat out a while. Which I forgot about until I saw it the other day. But, like, it's just, like, and going on, like, did signing Tavares make them lose William Nylander? It's like, no. It's just making them make sure that they can get every couple hundred grand for cap space that they get. This was happening anyway, and this is also going to happen with Mitch Marner next year. Yeah, like, Austin Matthews is the only one of these three who can really demand what he wants. Yeah. And even him, I think, will be, if he goes, I want 13 mil, they're going to go, no, 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 well, stop that. Matthews no. got, in a sense, screwed by Connor McDavid's contract because he can't ask for more than 12.5. No, which, I, I mean, I see people, well, percentage of cap. You're not going to do a percentage of cap two years after. Yeah. I know the cap has gone up, but you're not going to do that. Just in terms of public perception, I don't think. I could see Matthews getting 12, maybe, especially if he, like, he has started this year hot, and obviously he's not going to shoot 40% or whatever he's shooting now, but if he has a dynamite year this year, which I think he very well will, I could definitely see him getting a ton of money. Yeah. Well, this uh, it's part of the new war model I'm having or coming out with soon. But it's I have uh, BPM, which is like all of your counting stats mixed together. Yeah. And it's more predictive of future points than past points. And I have Matthews as the best, second best player in the league on a per hour basis. Yeah. From last year, so it's not unreasonable to think Matthews is a top ten scorer. Yeah. This I'd year. I don't see any way he gets less than what Tavares got. No. Like, I think 11 is probably the base point for him. Yeah. Unless he just takes some insane hometown, hometown discount. Which but, I don't but, see. Yeah. But, like I, could, like, I could see him taking 11 as well. Yeah. 11 or 12 really wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is, um, I know, like, everything's going to be based off Connor McDavid and how it can't be more than that. So, like, I agree in a relative sense, 12.5 million giving Matthews the McDavid contract would be dumb. But also, Matthews is in that tier of player where it's impossible to actually overpay him. Yeah, well, if Matthews was on any other team, we would have legitimate discussions about how close is Austin Matthews to Connor McDavid. But because, and Connor McDavid is still a step up for those people who are getting mad. But because he's on Toronto, people go, nah, he's not even a top five center. Yes, he is. He's Stop very, that. Yes, he is. He will probably lead the league in goals this year. Yeah, if he st as long as he can stay healthy. 
and he will, like I said, I would guess top ten in points. Yeah, and he's not great defensively, but my god, he's not a like he's not awful either. No, he's fine. Yeah, and he never takes penalties. I'm sure the guy who's the league leader in five-on-five goals per hour is, in fact, going to figure it out on the power play. Yeah, well, and now that you just have him, Tavares, Marner, like, uh, Riley, you put anyone on that power play, and it's just going to be stupid dumb. Yeah. Like, just insane. Oh, it'll be ridiculous. So Basically, like, no matter what. I, yeah, I don't know. It always amazes me how much people underrate Austin Matthews just because he plays on Toronto, and... Because of all the media coverage he gets, you know, Austin Matthews ate a sandwich, right? It's like, thanks, DSN. But, like, I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like all the coverage just makes him be very underappreciated on the ice. Speaking of all the coverage, has, when TSN tweets something and someone responded with Toronto Sports Network, has that ever been funny? (laughs) (laughs) I've seen that way too many goddamn times. Yeah, I don't, I think there was maybe one instance where I, I laughed. But, like, I feel like it wasn't even related to Toronto. It was like an Ottawa tweet or something. Like Typical Toronto sports yeah. network covering the Ottawa Senators, and they're like, oh, wait. Well, right. All right, that's that's what we want. Yeah, I don't... It's just kind of a cheap tweet to try and get yeah. some likes, I guess. You can usually get one or two in the comments section or whatever. The weirdest thing about coverage, too, is I don't understand why so many people complain about it. It's free for sakes. <laughs> it's free. It's Twitter. Yeah, like, relax. You, there's so many good spots you can find coverage of any other team. I don't need to listen to some 50-year-old who played the game 20 years ago tell me about why hitting is still a great thing and we shouldn't be worried about shot attempts. I would much rather go and either to the Athletic, which I rip on enough, but there's still great coverage there for every single team in the league, I think, at this point. Um, or even like someone like the smaller, like SB Nation or... Um, just any smaller blog, really. You can find good stuff Yeah, Ottawa online. doesn't... Does Ottawa have a Nation Network site? Yeah, Silver 7 Cents, right. I believe, is their Nation Network. Yeah, so, like, you can find... And there's some good articles there. Um, Trevor Shackles is a really good one. I think yeah. he works for Hockey Buzz now. There's just... There's good... Like, type in Ottawa Senators articles. And those stuff you can find. Like, that's why it's just, like, I never understand why... People are so de- desperate to hear Nick Kiprios talk about their team instead of the Toronto instead Maple of Leafs. The Leafs yeah. it's like, like, keep talking about this. I don't want to hear your stupid opinions on my team. Yeah, I don't need to hear why Nylander should be thankful for six million dollars from people. Yeah, and, or and then Marner deserves ten. Like, I just, and I'm not trying to say there's no good opinions at the big networks there's either. Obviously there's obviously, yeah, there's a bunch of great ones. You know. Uh, Chris Johnston is always a lot of fun to listen yeah. to. Bob McKenzie, obviously. Um, Ferraro is usually pretty... I like Ferraro calling a I game. I calling games. But his... I've noticed this year a little more. His opinions on stuff has been a little more eh. But even then on Twitter, he goes and says, yeah, Nylander's got the right for sitting out. Like, good on him. I was he like, yeah, okay, I agree with that. I, uh, I was trying to think of this. Is there any other scenario where public opinion is so pro-billion-dollar organization and against the little guy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's It's so weird. Like, people are mad at guys who literally sometimes have a 10-year span to make money, and then they're like, yeah, no, you should be taking a discount to help this literal billionaire make more money. Yes, this billion-dollar organization. Like, I get you want to win. So, like, I, I get that that kind of leads to the billion-dollar organization gets them a bit. But, like, seriously, like, even on teams that aren't going to win, like, if you see someone hold out on a bad team for more money, it's just like, screw you. It's like, well, 
Like, you're making millions already. It's like, okay, but the person who doesn't want to pay him is making billions. Yeah, and that's, the, like, uh, <coughs> the one thing is, like, it's really hard to understand people's motivations. Like, they're so complex, and there's so many different things that matter to people. Like, everyone has basically somewhere in a line between cares a lot and cares a little about money, location, winning, and all that. Like, I never understand why people just say, yeah, he wants to win, so he'll take less or whatever. Yeah, it's like, well, some people don't care about winning. Like, as, as weird as it sounds, or like, some people want to win, but they want money more, which yeah. is fair enough. Yeah. Another thing I think, the weird thing about the RFA holdout with Nylander, you know who else is still an RFA that hasn't signed? <laughs> Nick Ritchie. Nick Ritchie. I have not heard a single report about him. I don't even know what he's asking for, what the team wants. How close? I have no idea. I just know that he hasn't signed. And, like, I get it's Anaheim coverage to Toronto coverage, and Nylander's a much better player than Nick Ritchie, but, like, it's just, I find it so strange that we go, what if Nylander's the one player that doesn't sit out? It's like, okay, like, why aren't we saying the same thing about Nick Ritchie, then? Like, Yeah, like, why does everyone care about, like, obviously yeah, Toronto... Like, I get, it, I get why they care more, but, like, having literal zero coverage yeah. on it just seems strange when it's... We are making such a big deal about the Nylander thing that it's just nothing in Nick Ritchie. Yeah. I think it's because, I don't know, people are obviously just not as high on Nylander as a player. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, just, yeah, just in general, like, when you're playing for, like, I'm assuming there's probably coverage on it in Anaheim. I would think so. But I just haven't seen a bunch of it. And, again, like, a top six winger versus a bottom six winger at this point. Yeah. A guy asking for six to eight mil between two to four, or whatever Nick Ritchie's going to be asking for. The difference is, I just thought it was totally strange that we, I've heard so many times, oh, what if Nylander does this? What if he gets traded where he doesn't play? And I have not heard literally one thing from anyone about Nick Ritchie. Yeah, it's really weird. Especially when you see uh, every now and then someone will go retweet all the tweets of people going at Nylander, and their fan base seems to have turned on him already. Yeah. And, well, and, I mean, it was the same type of thing with Goudreau in uh, yeah. Calgary a couple of years ago. People were like, oh, like the rumor was he wanted to go, he wanted to get traded to, was it Detroit or someone? Wherever his hometown is to play there. Hmm. It was somewhere in the States. I don't remember that. It was like, yeah, like the rumor at the beginning of the year was that he didn't want to sign because, or he wanted to sign uh, a little deal because he wanted to get traded eventually. And then he signed a six-year deal, and then everyone was just happy with him when he scored in his first game back or whatever. Now he's beloved in Calgary. Yep. But, like, it was like the fan base hated him for a little bit. Yeah, that's the other thing. Tensions are really high right now, but I'm sure once Nylander plays 25 games into his season this oh, year... Oh, 100%. Especially when he up. probably settles for 6.5-ish anyways. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that um, the fan base will continue to hate him as the team improves. That's the other... Uh, I said this with Matthews, too, but... Based off comparables and stuff, I would prefer if Nylander isn't making as much money as Pasternak because he's not as good as Pasternak. But also on a free market, if I would pay Nylander $7 million without blinking. Yeah, and I mean... Over seven or eight years. Yeah, it's not like he's so much worse than Pasternak that .44 more than him is outrageous or whatever. No. And again, like, you could use the percentage of cap argument or whatever. Like, obviously, I think if you're the Leafs... Just getting him a little below or at the Pasternak deal yeah. is probably fine. Obviously, six mil would be a, a complete win That'd for be sure. A huge deal. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think it's going to be a little more in the middle, but I think it's going to be closer to what the Leafs are asking. If Nylander is asking for eight slash eight point five, but again, we don't even know that that's true. Yeah. That's just but, what people are guessing. So if you take Nylander's output 
over the next eight years and say he gets eight by 8.5, which would make people lose their minds in a free market. He will probably provide more value for that. Yeah. Oh, that. For sure. Like they're yeah. not going to no, overpay him. No, it'll be fine. It's just when you look at that, he's an RFA and has no rights. It would be an overpay. It's the same yeah. way as like Le- the Leon, Leon Dreisaitl contract really isn't that much of an overpayment. I would take Neil, or Leon Dreisaitl on my team for 8.5. But, when you look at the comparables and the fact that he was an RFA, uh, Peter Shirelli definitely overpaid for him at that time. Yes. Right? Like, he's still giving you good value for his contract. It's just, it could have been even better value. Yeah, in a relative sense, it's not good, but it's a good thing for the Leafs because no matter what, they pay him. Yeah, there's no... they're not overpaying. No, there's really not going to be a bad turnout for the Leafs, but at the same time, when you're going to be pressing against the cap, you do want those extra million, million yeah. and a half in cap space. And that's what they're trying to look for, which is fair. And Nylander wants his money, which is also fair. And he's going to get he's gonna get a lot. Yeah, he's going to get probably 6.5 by 8, I would assume. Or 6.5 by 6 or something like that. Yeah. Just depends. I don't know. Does six years, he's still UFA at the end of six, five right? RFA years left. Yeah, so probably you would assume it's going to be eight or bridge, would I'm, be my guess. I'm hoping it's eight. I would like this contract to be as long as possible. Well, both sides sound like they want it to be long, so... Yeah. Well, Dubas came out and said basically it'd be a failure if they have to bridge deal him. Yeah. And, I mean, that's probably fair. His value's never going to be lower than it is right now, I don't think. No. He's just... I don't like... Even just his general perception. Mm-hmm. He's also probably going to get better in the next three years. Yep. And he's never going to be... Well, maybe not never... But he's likely not going to be as bad on the power play as he was last year for the next, like, decade. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, like, it's just... It's kind of the perfect time. Yeah, like, it's one of those things where it definitely makes sense for both of them to get eight eight years, really. Yeah. Nylander can lock himself in. And I guess the big thing with an RFA contract is you can't have a uh, no-move clause. So, And yes. that's the big issue for Nylander is... You know, Dubis could say, we're not going to trade you, and then, but what if Dubis gets fired or Dubis decides something else? Like, it's definitely job security a little yeah. bit. Well, so, tell me how unrealistic this scenario is. It's two years from now, and the Leafs have been bounced in the first round with Tavares twice. Something along the lines of Nylander trades start to get floated all the time then. Yeah. And I don't really blame him for not having blind faith in the organization because as much as I do like the Leafs, if you talk to Josh Levo, Frank Corrado, uh, Milan McCulloch, Colin Green, like yeah, it's not like they're a golden organization nope, here. No, definitely not. Yeah, and um, yeah, for sure. Like uh, it's just it is job security, really. I mean, you can't blame him for that. I think most of, the, uh, especially up to this point, trade rumors have been stupid for yeah. Nylander. Oh, for sure. Um, also, I don't blame the Leafs for those things either. The Leafs are going to maximize wins. Yes, oh yeah, 100%. Like again, like it's it's a business. At the end of the day, it is a business. I think people seem to want to forget that for one side or the other. If they like the player, like well this team's a like whatever, right? But if they don't like the player, it's like, well it's a business. Sucks to suck, man, right? Yeah. Like but overall, like it is just you know, it goes both ways. You want to win, you want to do what's best for winning. If you know, for Nylander, you want job security, which is fine cuz he likes it here. But like for and I forget his like his father went through stuff too. Like his father told yeah. a team he was going to sign with them and then didn't sign with <laughs> yeah. them. But, like, so, like, he's seen it all before as well, so, like... Well, he's been in the league the long... He's been around the league <coughs> long enough to know. If yeah. The, if the Leafs have a deal on the table where they can trade Nylander and get better, they're going to take that deal. Exactly. They should. If, if the St. Louis Blues approached uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs today and said, here, 
How about Colton Periaco for William Elander? I'd say there's a pretty good chance they take that. Yep. As if they think it's going to help them win, they should, right? Yep, exactly. And so, yeah, fair. And then, yeah, so for Nylander, you want... I don't like. I don't really know where I was going with that. It's just that's something kind of. It's not in the contract, but like that's another reason you kind of want a little more money. Maybe it's just like job security if for instead of not going somewhere else, right? Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's just overall, it is hard. It's tough. Negoti- negotiations suck, but they do suck. And who's all excited to do this with Marner next year? Cause yeah. It's going to be much worse. Yeah. Well, like, I Marner is going to be not overpaid. He's going to be. I think the contract that we just talked about where. He's probably got more value than you probably could have got him at, in terms of a relative sense. Yes, he will. His contract will more likely be looked at in the light of Leon Drysidel's yeah. than Ehlers and Pasternak's, like Nylander's I, will. Like people are saying, he's going to be closer to Matthews than Nylander. I was like, how? Like, why? <laughs> I don't know. I, like they score at the same. I, whatever. Like I'm not even going to get into it. I've heard enough of contract talks. I'm sure everyone else did. Yeah, probably. Or ten minutes or whatever that was. And honestly, hopefully Nylander's signed by the time this comes out. It would ruin the podcast, but it would make me quite happy to see this done. Yeah, exactly. I don't think we have uh, almost forty minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah. We I, didn't really talk about the first week of the season, but like there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about. My analysis of the first week of the season is don't draw conclusions from three games. Yeah, October hockey's a lot of fun. Keep giving me these eight, five, seven, six games while teams don't know how to play defense. Yeah, yeah other than that, I don't I'm looking forward to the next couple weeks. Yeah. Looks like, I don't know, like it just looks like some exciting stuff. Yeah. Uh, it looks like it should be a pretty good year. Even the team, like Montreal, again, you don't want to draw conclusions. Montreal's looked uh, more fun than I thought they would. True. Um, not Not necessarily better, but at least more exciting least to watch watchable. in terms of watchability. So the Corsi King Hurricanes are off to a good start. Yeah, so that's fun. Did you see they um, outshot the Islanders about fifty to twenty something and lost? That's the most Hurricanes game ever. Yep, um, I think Bill Peters was did the same thing in Calgary. That's funny. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't. We'll see you guys next week. Uh, we either record later this week or early next week. This one was a bit of a weird timing. We we're gonna do it earlier in the weekend, but. Uh, Thanksgiving stuff and whatever just got in the way. So, uh, as always, you can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. You can find me at Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff, Chase at CM Hockey 66, and we will talk to you guys later. Oh.